0: Hey everybody it's your favorite blended family chelsea
1: and this is damien
0: welcome back um, on today's episodes we want to share a couple of things with you guys um, number one what are some common misconceptions about entrepreneurs and five tips to help you get started
1: then we're going to be doing an interview on what it means to be properly coached and mentored
0: and lastly, we're gonna do our how to date your wife segment. On this segment, we're actually gonna review a new restaurant that we tried uh, down in Los Angeles, um, and share with you our experience.
1: Don't forget, babe. Crew Love Campaign. I'm excited, guys. Officially found out we're we'll gonna be going live on Wednesday um, with the Crew Love Campaign to make sure we're fundraising for those in need in the ten cities in the Greater Bay Area.
0: Awesome. So, let's jump into this. Um, First off, we want to talk about just some common misconceptions about entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship. Um, I know if this is not a a world that you've been in before, it can be kind of mysterious. I know we've had family and friends uh, kind of ask us what it's like to be an entrepreneur. What does it mean? What do you guys actually do? Um, so babe, do you want to go, go ahead and share some misconceptions that maybe we've personally experienced or, or people who are entrepreneurs like us uh, have been asked by friends, family, and acquaintances?
1: Man... Let me tell you, when I was like, yo, I want to become an entrepreneur, I felt like I was Superman, you know what I'm saying, jumping you know, faster than the speed bullet, you know what I'm saying, faster than the speed of light. But let me tell you, uh, becoming an entrepreneur and making that jump, man, there's a lot of things. Uh, just Let me just say this, be ready to expect the unexpected. So we're going to give you three misconceptions, guys, three different things that people think are going to automatically happen because you decide to <laughs> jump into the fishbowl of becoming an entrepreneur. Misconception number one who remembers the first time they got a full- time job? I do and when you got that full time job, how many hours a week did you typically work
0: um i I worked a good forty hours per good week and i hours. and I did some overtime because I had just graduated from college and I knew that I needed to pay my student loans and and other bills so, so. that's
1: your question. when you worked ot did you get paid extra? Yes. Okay. And did you get paid an hourly wage? Yes. 40 hours? Yeah. Well, one misconception that I have both experienced and coached others in dealing and addressing is the 40-hour work week. Guys, let me tell you right here, those of you who are running your own businesses and becoming entrepreneurs, you guys know this, and I'm sure you're chuckling in the background, but most employees, most people who work a job- who go to work and, and clock in and clock out are typically going to work a 40 hour work week. And the law says if you work over 40 hours, you are entitled to overtime. Well, let me just give you guys some statistics. On average, your entrepreneur, you guys ready for this? Works 63% longer per week than your job employee. And let me ask you this question. Do we get paid OT when we work week, oh, oh, OT? Absolutely is some, not. Is somebody cashing us out some additional Definitely dollars? Definitely not. Do I can I expect Christmas to come early when we are uh, working late?
0: Well, that that's a different that's a different story. Um, but I know I know my mom when we when we really started getting into our business, my mom kind of made the comment like, "Man, I see you less now than I did when you worked you know over forty hours a week as a as a hospital manager." Um, so. You know, what I tell people is just because I'm an entrepreneur or business owner uh, doesn't mean that I work less. And, in, in fact, the opposite is true, that I definitely work more. Um, it's just a matter of, of who I'm working
1: working for. And, you know, misconception number one leads right into misconception number two. Man, I'm going to start this T-shirt business. I'm going to start my lemonade stand. I'm going to go do this online, blah, 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 and sell these widgets. And I'm going to do what? Get rich quick. Oh man, I'm going to make so much money. This is going to be super dope. Guys, misconception number 2. When you become an entrepreneur, you will immediately make money. Let me tell you something. Um go ahead and Google the average time frame it takes an entrepreneur to make money. And you can see different publications and here is the raw data. Here's just the truth of the matter. You ready for this? On average, It takes entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs four years just to solidify their business, just to really know who they are, know how to run their business, operate correctly, find good people to work, partner with, um, get affiliates in the community, right? It's going to take you four years, guys, to solidify that business. And then on average, it's going to take seven to 10 years to become successful. And, you know, when I read that, it's like, dang, That's a long time. But let me ask you this question. How many years does it take to retire if you work for a job?
0: 40 years.
1: People generally work to what age? uh,
0: 65. 60,
1: 65, right? So if I'm 39 today, the question I ask myself is, am I willing to work my tail off 10 years to get where I want to be in life versus 40 years and depending on a pension or some form of retirement? Although that misconception is very true, I got to say, you know, that 10 year plan sounds a lot better. How's that sound to you, babe? Does 10 year sound pretty good to you? I'll take it. You'll take it?
0: I'll take it. Um, okay, last misconception here that we got. Um, huge misconception, I think, for entrepreneurs is that all of your friends and family are going to automatically support you in your new business, right? Man. We get all excited. No. You know, I, I got my huh. business license, I started this business. You know, my friends and family love me. They're going to be first in line
1: to support me. I'm going to sell some J's to Ray Ray. I'm going to grab this shirt from me. Oh, man, I'm going to get rich. The family, yeah, they're going to come to my concert. Heck yeah, dude. Like, it's going to be on and popping.
0: Right. And unfortunately, that's not always the case. Nah. Uh, but, you know, on, on on the other hand, there are definitely friends and family members who will support you. Uh, but not everyone is, is going to get behind you in your new business.
1: Guys, rule of thumb. When you start a business, don't have a prescribed audience in mind. Don't say, ooh, 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 all of my homeboys or all of my girlfriends mm-hmm. are going to be the reason my business makes it or doesn't, right? You want to do a proper um, SWOT analysis. You want to create a proper business plan, and you want to make sure there's a market and there's a lot of demand for what you are aiming to supply. Very simple economics. You don't want to get too complicated, but you also don't want to say, I'm going to run my business on the back of your family. And also, let me say this. You don't want your friends and family feeling like all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying, you're using them. Mm -hmm. That's another awkward thing that you don't want to be caught up in is, you know, all your loved ones are like, you're trying to make me buy all of these trinkets. (laughs) (laughs) Trinkets, <laughs> <laughs> vacuums. Why wow, I gotta shakes, buy? Why wow, I gotta? Movies, yeah, I gotta buy uh, all your knives and you know what I'm saying. Sweat
0: belts, bands, <laughs> workout bands, yeah. whatever it may be. So
1: make sure it makes sense. Make sure whatever it is you're bringing to market has a, a high demand from people outside of just your close circle, and you can be successful. Along with that, guys, let's talk about some tips. Now that we've, we've, we've addressed some con- misconceptions that people are dealing with in business, let's talk about five tips that can help you get where you want to go. Babe, you want to talk about the first one? Sure.
0: Um, number one, as an entrepreneur, it's extremely important that you consistently have a growth and learning mindset. As an entrepreneur, you're going to be constantly learning new things about yourself, new things about your business and how to run it effectively. So I think one of the most beneficial things to have is to constantly seek information and, and constantly apply that um, to how to better run your business and how to be a better entrepreneur.
1: And to piggyback that, uh, tip number two, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but we'll also be going in more detail today with having people share their stories. But guys, you never want to go into business blind. You never want to go and start a new venture um, trying to figure it out along the way, right? You don't want to stumble into success. And although it does happen, we talked about it before, the fastest way to become successful, the fastest way to become a millionaire, the fastest way to duplicate something that's extremely well is to have somebody mentoring, coaching, training you through that process. So tip number two is identify somebody in that field or that industry that you see as successful and reach out to them. You may use a means like LinkedIn or you may have an uncle or you may have a friend who has a family member. Whatever is needed, ask them to lunch, buy them a cup of coffee, all right? beg their pardon and and take and make access to that person who can help you reach your goals in a much quicker time frame than trying to struggle and do it on your own.
0: Tip number three would definitely be to learn the system and and for me i think part of learning the system is is learning how to track your business Uh, whether we're talking about marketing whether we're talking about inventory whether we're talking about retaining customers um, it's essential that you learn the system and that you're able to track your business so you can see how it grows analyze how it grows and where you need to improve in your business
1: tip number four you don't want to make the leap blindly right and so when you're saying hey i'm tired of working at taco bell you know what i'm saying i'm the shift manager and they pay me 1765 an hour and i feel like i'm worth more than that don't quit taco bell until you know your business works Make a gradual release from the employee mindset to becoming a business owner as an entrepreneur, right? So, if you're in a position where you're working a 40 hour work week, my recommendation is for the first 60 to 90 days, continue to work your full time schedule and then supplement that on the side with your job. We call that a hustle. Right. I'm hustling on the side. Right. Oh, I work at um, Home Depot and then I drive Uber on the side to collect additional income so that I can start my business. Do that for 60 days. And then even when you're to a position, when you're actually making money, you can kind of systematically predict what's going to happen next. Start your business part time. You never want to put all your eggs in one basket where you're like sink or swim. I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage. I'm not going to be able to feed my family. I'm not going to be able to live a comfortable life. If this thing that I've started doesn't get off the ground, don't put yourself in that type of stressful anxiety, right? Make sure you're allowing yourself time to learn properly. Like Chelsea said, to get your mindset and self-develop correctly. So starting out in a position where you can hustle. And then hit a part-time basis while you're making a double income, right? You continue to make your income at your job, but you're also doing your, um, starting your business and making income from, from that. Before you say, I'm going to commit to full-time doing this business and all of my income, all of my assets, all of my eggs are going to fit in this basket and I better win. That's not a safe way uh, to start your business.
0: Okay, and that leads us to our last tip. It's kind of a rule of thumb when starting your business to have at least three to six months of savings. As Jamie mentioned earlier, in the misconceptions about being an entrepreneur, it can often take months Uh, if not sometimes years for people to make income from their business. So just to set people up for success on their journey to becoming an entrepreneur, it's definitely prudent to have three to six months of savings at least before you just up and quit any other source of income.
1: And here's what I ask you guys to do. I'd like for you guys to visit our webpage, visit our IG, visit our Facebook, and tell us your story. Tell us what it is. Maybe you are in the process of dreaming about becoming an entrepreneur and you have an idea. Share that on our page. Or maybe you're currently an entrepreneur and you feel like um, you have a very successful story you'd like to share. I want to hear it. Or maybe you're somebody who's saying, listen, the idea of becoming an entrepreneur sounds great. Uh, The concept of running my own business sounds excellent, but I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I need somebody to help me, to coach me, to train me, and I'm seeking out a mentor. I'm seeking out a coach please reach out. We'd love to direct you um, and get you the support you need so that you can feel uh, you're getting the necessary skills you need to become an entrepreneur. Uh, You're up for a treat. This time we're bringing in an entrepreneur couple, young lad and a young lady, killing it in business. Super proud of them. You know what I'm saying? It's good to see young people who aspire to have big dreams. And so I wanted to introduce to you guys today Francesca and Calvin. Guys, say hi to our peoples. How y'all doing? How you doing? (laughs) So again, I'm gonna uh, first of all if, just give you guys a couple minutes. Take a couple minutes and tell us about who you are, where you're from, and what gave you the mindset to want to be an entrepreneur.
2: I'm Francesca, also known as Frankie. If you ever watched "Set It Off," you know Vivica Fox play. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> but um, I'm from here in the East Bay. I actually come from the restaurant industry. I was a bartender and a server, but now I am a current junior broker. About to be a co-owner, but I am salute, working my salute, salute. way up.
3: <laughs>
2: but yes, that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Where I come from is, uh, humble beginnings. Like, both of my parents come from the island. So
3: how y'all doing? My name is Calvin. I'm from Hayworth. Stack, baby. Haystack yeah. in house. <laughs> Calvin, i like Calvin fine. I just ain't got the fancy <laughs> drawers like them, but I grew up in the Bay Area. I went to Chabot. I did the high school, college thing. Just your typical Bay Arean.
1: So before we jump into this mentor thing, talk to me. What prompted you guys? First of all, how old are you, Francesca? 24. And Calvin, how old are you? 26. So what prompted you guys? You know, you guys aren't following the traditional go to college, get good grades, get a good job. Like what prompted you guys to want to be entrepreneurs instead?
2: To be honest, I actually, um, from where I come from, I, it wasn't. Common for my family to go to college and to go to, you know, get the big degrees behind their name. And for me, I I had seen entrepreneurship, but I was exposed to it in, I would say, the wrong way. Okay. So when I came across, you know, having the opportunity to have a legitimate business where I could have full control of my time, control of my own money, control of my schedule, it was a turn on. Mm. It was very appealing to me to say, hey, you know, you can start something and own Something And for me, you know, I was always a hard worker. I could work any type of job, teach me how to do it. I'm going to dominate it. But I never was exposed to something uh, uh to where I call the shots.
3: Got it. Calvin, how about you? Talk to me. I mean, she basically bagged it in the bag. Like, we don't got a boss. I don't clock in and out. I wake up when I want to wake up. I mean... I wish I would have found entrepreneurship sooner as far as on paperwork. But I don't, I mean, I really just love it. Like I wake up. I don't got to ask to go to the potty. I don't got to ask to go. Oh, can I take my lunch break? Can I take my break? Like, no, we actually have control over time and money. Like she said. Sweet. So now that we know you guys are entrepreneurs, let's talk about this
1: deal because, you know, Chelsea and I have been delving into this mentor relationship. And I want to know from you guys, you guys sound like, you know, you're doing well. You guys are young entrepreneurs, which is super yes. exciting. First things first, why do you value having a mentor? Maybe we'll ask this one to you, Frankie. So, hmm. Frankie, you let's let's do this one for you. Like why this. do you value having a mentor?
2: I value it because I never had it. Like I said, I was never exposed to big dreams or big goals or anything. You know, my dad's from Samoa and my mom's from the Philippines. So we were, you know, we never did it. Our people never did anything really too big. We could just lift big things, if you know <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> but um, ice plant. I know about that ice <laughs> As far as the value that it gave me was guidance. Where I come from, it's always, you know, one, all one man for himself. And, you know, it's it's a survival mentality. And you got to get it on your own. But... You know, having a mentor, not even just a mentor that says, okay, you, you know, you, yeah, you, you know, Damien, you and Chelsea are living a, a great lifestyle. But at the same time, you're also, you know, you come from where I come from. You're you. The fact that you have somebody investing time and energy to you to say, hey, I've paved the way for you and I want to see you win. That's just a whole nother game plan. That's just a whole, you know, my mom and dad can say, Hey, I want you to be like this and try to pave the way. But mom and dad, I don't really like the lifestyle that you live in, to be honest. So I'm not too sure if, you know, I'm going to, you know, I love you. I respect you, but the, the mentorship or, or that you're trying to give me is to be like you. And that's definitely not where I'm trying to go. Absolute. So
1: I definitely respect that. Callie, uh, killer, killer, killer. Talk to me, brother. What are two lessons that you've learned since you've actually started? Gaining the opportunity to be mentored by someone
3: else. Like, what are two things that you say, man, these are two takeaways that have really helped me grow as an Um, entrepreneur? Being that as you guys are uh, my mentor, um, one of the things that's really tangible for me is that the fact that we all come from the Bay Area and you guys have made it out enough to where you guys built the business and you guys are actually teaching other people how to build a business. And I just found that to be very helpful. First lesson is that. Is actually tangible to make it out. And the second one is how you really do treat people can defer how your business goes or how you treat people really does deter if you can make it long term in the business.
1: Talk to me about that a little bit more. What do you mean by your ability or non-ability to make it long term in business?
3: What do you mean? Well, in this business, you can either do two things. Long term gain, unless you want to run around and actually doing the footwork. Doing it yourself, but in this industry If you build and you help people build their business You're able to sustain A longevity of residual
1: Okay,
3: okay Residual time, residual income, all that good stuff Man, anything I like it, again
1: Talking to young entrepreneurs uh, We're talking about the importance of having a mentor Helping you grow in business And man, it's a powerful thing Frankie, let's get back to you Uh, And and in this one, you can be as transparent As you want to be this okay. is your opportunity, but I'd like for you to tell us a story of how your mentor helped you overcome a major issue.
2: Like I said, I come from, uh, I would say the rough side of the streets. You know, growing up where I grew up, it was a lot of, of the ghetto. It was, I was exposed to where, you know, uh, gang banging was common, killing, getting robbed, all of those was common. You know, people selling drugs, women, on you know, selling themselves in the streets. All of those things were common. So my mentality was always, you know, that's regular. You know, when I was in transition of, you know, getting out and doing things, you know, the more positive way, the more legitimate way, there's a lot of mindsets and habits that have to be broken. So me having a mentor, for one, you have somebody that's, you know, cheering you on. You have somebody that is coaching you, letting you know what's wrong and what's right. But having the challenge of, you know, being battled back with your old ways, your old habits that have never gotten you anywhere to be successful and, you know, how easy it is to say, just forget it. I'm going to go back. I'm going to do it the easy way. And one of my mentors, you know, what he did was he reminded me, for one. That where I, going back to what I was going to go back to was nothing. There was nothing valuable there. And what he helped me do was, you know, he helped me stay on track. But I think that the biggest thing of it was the impact that it ripples on to the family, the friends that would have been included with the decisions that I would have made. Mm, I, I could be, you know, six feet underneath. I could be locked up. I used to do whatever by any means necessary to put food on the table for my family, and not knowing that I was taken away from other people. And what my mentor was able to show me was that, look, you can provide and do what you want to do the right way and get these benefits. But it's just a little bit of a more effort, a little bit of a harder path. But it's worth it.
1: wise man once said, uh, a hustler may make a dollar, mm. but a business lasts for legacies." Man. So I appreciate seeing your growth and development. From a young hustler from the hood to becoming a businesswoman who, like you said, man, junior broker in her way to ownership, that's a big deal. Thank you. Proud of you, Frankie. Thank you. A lot of people are intimidated by, you know, the word mentor. You know, for a long time, I was kind of like, I don't want no mentor. Like, I don't need no mentor. I'm a man. <laughs> like, I'm an alpha. I got this. Right. And so in its correct Manner, like what do you think the mentor mentee relationship looks like? What are the components? What are the parts? What makes it effective? What makes it work well? What should the mentor and mentee do in form of communication
3: in order for it to be successful? Well, for starters, for any relationship to actually work, there has to be communication. Um, a lot of times, people won't listen to somebody if they don't know your story. So. A lot of times you have to really resonate and let them know where you actually come from and actually know who you helped and, you know, let the person know who you're actually mentoring that, you know, where they're at. You've been where they're at and you're trying to help them get to where you're at. Mm. Um, I really feel like mentorship is really ideal just because it does it. It does play a big role in seeing that positive figure. In your life and just to show you like, OK, they're doing this, but he's doing this and he's excelling better with less worries and stress. Communication is key. Being honest is key. Mm-hmm. Not hiding nothing is key as well. Um If you feel like your mentor shouldn't say this or you feel like you and your mentor need to go and have a walk about this, I would say do that opposed to holding. I mean, that goes for any relationship.
1: Let me ask you a question. Because I think a word that really struck me, or at least I had a lot of fear of initially, was authenticity. Mm. But I always felt like the guy who wants to mentor you is like, man, you trying to be my dad, right? Like, man, <laughs> hold on, boy. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, what? How can you tell if that if that relationship is authentic? Like, what are the what are the components? Or maybe Frankie, you can chime in on this. Like, how do you know that a relationship with the mentor is actually authentic and one that you can trust and build and develop it?
2: I think the number one thing is what you just said: trust. You got to trust. But how does that even happen? You know, you ask me, I'm going to say number one is just genuine love. It got to come from a heart of love of where it's not I'm mentoring you because I want to get something out of you. I'm mentoring you because I genuinely want to see you do good. And, you know, we're human. We're going to fight all the time. Me and Calvin fight all the time. But knowing that our foundation is what I'm saying comes from comes from a place of love, that's where it all kind of begins, where the trust is implemented.
1: I respect that. Well, listen, guys, I really appreciate your time. Uh, it was definitely a pleasure having an opportunity to hear. Guys, we're talking about a 24 and a 26 year old who are running a business. That could potentially change the legacy of them and their families down the road. You know, I have nothing but admiration for you guys. I really appreciate you guys taking time to be a part of this uh, conversation. And I look forward to seeing you guys growing in the future. Thank you. I have big plans. Hopefully you guys have big dreams. Yes. Yes. yes,
2: yes, I got to correct that, though. It's not we can, but it's we will, baby.
1: There it is. I received that. (laughs) <laughs> I see that. Salute to you guys. And I definitely look out for this on our ideal. Let everybody know that you guys are going to be interviewed by She Said, He Said. Chelsea and I have been talking to you guys the first two episodes about She Said, He Said and talking about our experiences and meeting each other. But we also wanted to introduce to you guys another segment that we will be continuing throughout this as well. And it's called How to Date Your Wife. And we'd like to intro it via our podcast initially. But however, we will be adding the blog uh, to our webpage. And so you guys will always be invited to see the pictures, our experiences, and our ratings on a biweekly basis. And what we be doing is going to different restaurants and different experiences, both locally and abroad, and giving you guys our one thumbs up, two thumbs up, or for show thumbs down.
0: And there are uh, a couple of categories that we'll be basing our review on, four categories to be exact. One, we're going to be talking about the ambiance Two, the level of service, and if we approved of it. Three, the quality of the food, flavor, things like that. And then four, as my husband said, we're going to give it a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or a... was the middle? trash. Of the, nah, I would, trash.
1: you might get the trash. Can. So yeah, so just consider us your everyday, uh, you know, we're going to be like, yup, 2019. You know, you can take our ratings to the bank because we always uh, say the good, the bad, and definitely the ugly.
0: We're, we're not food snobs, but we do know... Uh, what good food and I'm good service food is, is. Exactly. your foods now? Yes. Okay.
1: Conte sewer to be exact.
0: So the place that we uh, that we ate at is called rock sugar. As you mentioned, this is in Los Angeles in the Beverly Hills Westwood area. My initial thoughts of it, the ambiance was amazing. Uh, we walked in. So when you walk in, the floor is made up of stone. So it's a stone floor. And you walk through this corridor where there's an open skylight. And there's kind of couches and lounge chairs in this corridor. And when we went in there, we were told that people like to go there, especially during the summer, just on weeknights or weekends. Because they have this open skylight, people can have drinks, cocktails. They can converse and have some appetizers. So I thought that was really nice. It's an Asian fusion type restaurant. So that was the theme of the decorations. After we passed through this corridor, we were greeted by the hostess. They seated us right away, so I had no complaints about that. But the ambiance kind of dimly lit. Definitely a, a place that you would take um, someone for a business meeting. You could take a date or even just friends or family. But I, I thought the ambiance was really nice. What did you think, babe?
1: Scale of one to ten, what do you give it?
0: Ambiance-wise, I give it a good eight and a half.
1: Wow. Yeah. Eight and a half. Hmm. Hmm. Well. I uh,
0: do like you would give it an eight and a half, so I'm curious. To know what you
1: thought. Well, I won't give it an eight and a half, but I will give it a nine. So I liked it as well. Here's what I will say about it. You know, I just feel like, you know, being a kid from NorCal versus SoCal, it just feels like they always had an additional touch in Hollywood yeah. land. And so when you go to SoCal, when you're chilling out there in La La Land, the City of Angels and all that stuff, they take the extra time to make sure uh the aesthetics and the things on the outside, you know, look really good. But another thing we all know about L.A. is the outside, everything that glitter ain't gold. And yeah. so although the ambiance was a nine, next thing we're going to talk about is food. And although the food... uh Looked the part. Let's talk about did it taste the part? We ordered. uh Let's see. We ordered the pork belly buns. We, we ordered. ordered chicken. Fu- oh, chicken. We're
0: gonna get into oh, the individual. Yuck.
1: Items. Chicken pho, the Brussels sprouts yep. sa macking. Sauteed Brussels. The sauteed Brussels sprouts. Garlic we got noodles. the the shrimp garlic noodles. Um, and did we get one other thing? That's it. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. We got the shrimp and chicken dumplings. I must not
0: have said
1: that. That's right. Shrimp and chicken dumplings. So ate- I did eat them all. <laughs> Actually, me and our guest ate them all. So uh, let's go one by one. We're going to start out with the shrimp and chicken dumplings. Uh, like Chell said, I, I was hoarding them. I was eating. them, They were really good. Definitely no complaints. I did ask the waiter for their opinion, and she did let me know that they tasted well. And so I tried them out. Succulent, good flavor, temperature is correct. Consistency was really good. I have to say, you know, of the food I ordered, I continued to go back to it because I wanted to find something that my palate actually enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And there weren't a lot of other options based upon the things that we ate.
0: So the item that I ordered and was actually looking forward to, I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm under the weather. I had the the past seven days, so I'm finally starting to feel better. But at the restaurant, I ordered chicken pho because I thought that would be something good for me to have since I was sick. Now, mind you, I grew up in San Francisco, which is like the hub of ethnic food. I grew up near Chinatown in San Francisco and I, I grew up eating pho. And I'm talking about real pho, at like a, at a Vietnamese restaurant. Okay, so I ordered this pho thinking that it would be similar to the pho I've had as I've grown up, and it was nothing like the pho that I know. It wasn't even as good as ramen noodles. I would take ramen noodles over this. But um this chicken pho I got, oh man, the broth was flavorless. And if you guys,
1: cold flavor.
0: if you are a pho connoisseur, you know that the broth is probably one of the most important parts of the pho in addition to the noodles. So, broth had zero flavor. The noodles seemed to be undercooked, which I don't even know how you do that. Probably because the broth was cold. Noodles were undercooked, and then it had like pieces of chicken breast in it, which, you know, chicken breast is chicken breast. It came with, you know, the garnish on it. So, there was some cilantro, some basil, lime, things like that. But I must have took three or four bites of the pho, and I really wanted some soup because I was sick, but I couldn't eat anymore. So it was disgusting.
1: Five stars is, it was excellent, or one star is, this is trash, give me the trash. Emoji. Half a
0: star. Half, Half a star. A star. It, it. I would never recommend that anybody order that. Wow.
1: Hmm. So, uh, the chicken and shrimp dumplings, I definitely get four stars out of five. It's very tasteful. I think it's an appetizer, so you can order from the appetizer menu if you're gonna be there, that's definitely one you can order and feel confident that's gonna taste good. I'm gonna talk about something else. in fact, I think it was the most tasty uh thing we had on our um on our dinner date, and that was the uh the Brussels sprouts flavor. Uh, man, they looked really fresh. It was spicy. They had spice going on. Man, the Brussels sprouts were re- and again, it's something I, I, you know, maybe we should have stuck to asking the waiter because I asked the male waiter this time, like, hey, what's a vegetable we could try? And he definitely recommended the Brussels sprouts. And my, my tummy was definitely happy that we chose that route because it really tasted good. Like, I think that was my favorite thing to eat while we were having dinner. And so I really appreciated that. If I had to, I'd give it five stars. I think I feel confident and comfortable saying those Brussels sprouts relative to, and your Brussels sprouts taste good, by the way. They, your Brussels sprouts. They were
0: cooked well. They weren't like overcooked and mushy, but then they also were undercooked to where they're hard. The texture was really good as well as the flavor. It was nice that it had that spiciness to it. Four Definitely five. added a, a different element to it. What'd you give it? I give it a four out of five.
1: She's so dang picky. I am kind of
0: fishy, but there is there is something that I, I did enjoy, so I definitely enjoyed it more than the pho, um, but we had the pork belly buns, and I, I'm not saying this is the greatest thing on the menu, but it, it did taste good. The pork belly buns are essentially uh, slices of pork belly, so it has pork, but it has a little bit of fat on it. It's kind of like caramelized or glazed, and it's put in a bow. If you guys know what a Peking duck, it comes in the white, fluffy, delicious bow. Oh my gosh. Oh, sorry for you Americans. Bun, a bread bun, Thank a white bread you bun. You know what that is? Okay. So it's slices of pork belly on a bow with slices of like cucumber and Julian carrots and, you know, some sauce, hoisin sauce on it. So it actually tastes pretty good. It was tender, the pork belly was flavorful, and of course the bow was fluffy <laughs> and delicious.
1: Stars. I give it a four. What? What do you get? Pork belly, whatever, four stars? It was definitely a solid 2.5. No, it wasn't. Definitely a solid 2.5.
0: That's because you don't appreciate a good bow.
1: Yeah, it made me want to have a bow movement. Um, <laughs> it was cool. I think I was expecting more because my cousin was like, Mac, this is what everybody gets. Da 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 Heck yeah, it's gonna taste really good. My taste buds are just fine. And so um I mean, three is you know, here's the deal. You know, I think it sounds to me like it's a go to when you go to Rock Sugar. So I'm not saying don't get it, but Brussels sprouts was killing it. The Brussels sprouts was killing that. So I can't give it a four stars. It's definitely a solid three. If you
0: had the um, garlic noodles.
1: Also had the garlic noodles. So, you know, there's this place in in the, the Bay Area and it's called Thang Long. And it is a um, second version or family owned version of uh, crustaceans. And they have these garlic noodles that are like world renowned. And so, you know, my cousin's like, Mac, these garlic noodles. da, 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 da. So again, my palate is like super, super, super juiced. Mind you, we're not trying to eat a bunch of carbs, but I'm like, but eh, you know what? These garlic noodles—they might be Thang Long status. Let's check them out.
0: I don't uh, think any garlic noodles can compare to to Thang
1: Long. It definitely was a solid mediocre, uh, solid three stars. Solid. Uh, if I was hungry, it's not something I would not order again. But it's definitely something. It's not something I'm gonna be like, yo, I gotta go back to Rock Sugar and get those garlic noodles. I'm definitely coming for the Brussels sprouts, the shrimp was cool. Definitely fresh, the consistency. My wife would tell you I'm a flavor guy, but I'm not a salt guy. So a lot of people say, oh, this food needs more flavor. And they start dousing it with salt. That like makes my skin crawl. I like to taste the natural flavor in food. And I felt like these garlic noodles were like seasoning salt noodles. And so um, definitely wasn't thoroughly impressed, but Again, it wasn't the worst thing on the menu. Talk to me now, Chelsea, about the service. How do we feel like the servers did?
0: I thought the servers did great. They were very attentive. They came by multiple times to refill our waters. They asked us if we needed anything, if we needed more plates to share the food. It is a family-style restaurant, so that is something that they they encourage people to do is to share the dishes, um, but I thought it was good. I didn't get any sense that they were not paying attention to us or not servicing us well, but like you said, in LA, especially when you're in the bed. Beverly Hills area, they're going to make sure that their service is top-notch, especially for what people are paying. Service was good. Service was good? Okay. So would you go back to Rock Sugar or would you recommend Rock Sugar to someone else? I I know my my answer. I want to hear your answer first. So while Rock Sugar was an interesting experience, I don't think I would go back. For me, I would not trade flavor and quality food for ambiance. Ambiance was amazing, but if I had to choose between ambiance and actual delicious food, I would much rather take the delicious food. Um, again, I grew up in San Francisco. We have plenty of hole-in-the-wall restaurants that have amazing Italian food, amazing Chinese food. Um, so that's just something that I prioritize. Definitely quality of food
1: over the ambiance. So is that one thumbs up? Trash or two thumbs up.
0: I give it one. One thumbs up. Yeah. It would be somewhere that, like I said, you know, it would be nice to go on a date there and have a couple of drinks maybe and appetizers.
1: But it's definitely not somewhere I would frequent. So as far as I'm concerned, Rock Sugar is definitely a place, gentlemen if you got a young lady and you want to impress her and say hey what's the new hip spot in town and you want to you know allow her to get lost in your eyes as the stars gaze above and you want uh, to see a whole bunch of Asian style thematic things that look expensive and you want a, a cool shiny rock to sit on your table I always wonder what that little shiny rock was for but
0: it's to hold your um, place setting down
1: yeah so they had this shiny rock and I kind of wanted to put it in my pocket It was, it looked pretty cool I didn't I didn't take it but yeah if you want to go and impress a girl and feel like you're in it it seems to me like that was one of those like it's in style kind of place it's one of the hip spots to go to that's your spot but like my wife said if you want to enjoy some really good food and be in a place where you're going to actually taste food with really good flavor not so much my spot either i do believe and agree that it should be a one thumbs up it's definitely wasn't a horrible experience i definitely don't want to make rock sugar feel like um, they're a bad place i think it also didn't help babe that we were both extremely hungry Like, we went there that day, like, you know what I mean? Stomach rumbling, like, man, feed me Seymour. And so, to actually eat the food and have half of it really be a disappointment, that didn't do Rock Sugar any favors, and it definitely didn't do us any justice. And so, overall, I would say, again, one thumbs up. You do one thumbs up. Uh, Definitely not something that we're going to be in any hurry to go back to. It took. Company. The company was fantastic it was good to hang out and spend time with loved ones i appreciate you for kicking in with us brother um next time let's go find the hole in the wall spot and eat some good food if that's okay with you so that wraps it up for our review be on the lookout in the future we will also be writing up a blog and shooting pictures and sharing the experience as well so you guys can view it for your pleasure on our blog